0: Um, yeah, as, as as Chris told you, my name is Daniel, um, I come from a country called Rwanda, Rwanda is a small little country in uh, East Central Africa, you may have to look for your glasses to find it, it's like really tiny, um, but we are full of joy, um, and like literally full because it's like the most densely populated country in Africa, so literally full. <laughs> uh, Yes, I'm. I'm here for a year. I'm doing my master's degree at Queen Mary, um, and uh, I like I like puns. Yeah, I like puns. That's that's the kind of humour that I like. And right now I'm I'm a bit nervous. So, um, just to <coughs> calm my nerves, I'm going to tell you uh, two jokes. Um, what do you call a nose without a body? <laughs> you, get, you get it yeah I mean ok it's much funnier in Africa because guys don't know English that much so. <laughs> so it takes a while for them to get it they're like nobody knows ok cool um, why do English teachers have the best relationships because their love is intense <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, um, so uh, my family um, come from the northern part of Rwanda, southern part of Uganda, and uh, historically we are cattle keepers. And uh, my dad's dad and his dad and his uh, my ancestors all used to look after cows. And my uncle told me a story about uh, my dad as his kid's... Um, there was twelve of them eight eight uh, eight boys and four girls and uh, those days they used to um, they used to have so many cows, but they used to use the dung uh, for for fuel for like burning um, keeping warm and uh, cooking food although that 's sort of weird, but yeah, they used to use dung to cook food, and so the way they used to do it is like they would collect um, every day they would collect like a heap of dung and then let it dry, and then when it's dry, that's when they would use it as, as fuel. So they had these heaps of dung around their compound. And they had this game where um, it's sort of a cha- uh, you, you sort of chase someone, but if he's, if he's standing on, a, on, a, on an anthill or on a heap of dung, he's safe, and then he can uh, sort of release the guys that you've caught by tapping something. So it's a lot of run here, run there. And one day they are chasing themselves around. And um, my dad, I, I guess I get a lot from him. He was not very sporty. Uh, he was not very fast. And he was as skinny as I am, as tall as I am. Uh, that's why there's hope for me that someday I'll gain weight. Uh, that's story for another day. Um, so uh, he, he, he's running from his brother um, and sees this nice heap of dung, and he's like, yeah, I, my, my savior is here. So he jumps um, both feet so that he can land on it and be safe, because this guy was, like, right behind him. But what used to happen is that these things, they dry from the top, uh, going, going, you know, yeah? You, you see the picture? Yeah? <laughs> so it looks very dry, and he jumps on it with two feet, and... Uh, you guys know that him All other ground is sinking sand. <laughs> it, just, it just, you know, sinks both feet uh, into the heap of dung, yeah? Uh, when my uncle told me that story, I sort of understood why I've never seen my mom give him a foot rub. But, <laughs> um, um, but it's, 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 yeah, it's gross, yeah? Um, but do you guys know that Christ was actually born in, around, you know, dung, right? Yeah? If you think about it, sometimes we forget that a stable, a a kraal, is where these animals like live and do everything, and it it has to be smelly, it has to be dirty, and it, it was not a very pleasurable place, and that manger where his mom laid him was not the place that any mother would like to lay their child. Yeah, I don't know how many of you are mothers, but before I become a dad, I need to make sure at least my, my child is not laying in there, you know. But, but it happened, and there's a video I want us to watch, and I want us to keep this in our minds as we're going to talk about, you know, the manger and what we can learn uh, from the character of God and what God can speak to us through this simple you know, wooden or whatever piece of uh, you know thing that Christ is laid in. Um yeah, can you just see that and I want you to- sometimes forget, because sometimes I do, yeah? Sometimes I think it was a warm, you know, but we're going to talk about it um, in a few minutes. I I won't be long, I promise, I hope. Um, (laughs) Back where I come from, um, we keep saying that Pastors have the most conclusions in life. They can start like, "As I conclude," then they have like another someone. And as I, conc- I don't know if it's the same here. I haven't had Chris do it, but I'll try to keep away from saying, "As I conclude." Um, Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, had had spoken to the Israelites about the coming Christ, the King that's going to save them uh, from the bondage that they were in, from the captivity that they were in for years. And the Israelites were looking forward to this. They were so excited. They were waiting. They were waiting for this superhero on a horse, you know. John Rambo with two swords. I don't know, MacGyver with someone who would use anything that he has to save them. They were so expectant um, for this guy who is just going, I don't know, come the way that Elisha left. I don't know, chariots of fire and stuff and just come and tell them, guys, you're now free. I'll just, you know. Terminator, I'll be back. when I don't know when you're in captivity again. But they were, they were so expectant for something so big that when Christ came the way he came, they totally missed it. So many of them missed it. Only a few of them got it. And that is because they were, they were looking for something. They were so focused on, on the how it would, it would happen that they missed it when it happened. And the first thing that the manger teaches me about, because Christ then comes like, you know, a little boy from a little known virgin girl in the little city of Bethlehem from a carpenter as his his earthly dad, born in a manger in a stable somewhere. I I don't want to judge those guys because I think I would have missed it as well. And one of the things that, this man that teaches me is the way God speaks sometimes, and he speaks through a little gentle voice that we need to have our spiritual eyes and ears open because otherwise we may miss what he's trying to say to us. And I, and I want to read for us um, from the book of First Kings, chapter 19, verse 11 to 13. And, it, and, and uh, it's a story of the Lord appearing to Elijah he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the, lo- the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And it goes on and on. And Elijah was at the top of his game. He knew that God can speak through a small voice even when they are big things. He knew his spiritual ears and eyes were in tune and were open that he knew, no, 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 it's not about- it wasn't the earthquake I don't know about you, but the first time I read this story, I thought, yeah, definitely the fire. Yeah, definitely the earthquake. And by the end of the story, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, sometimes we we box God, yeah? I, I box God sometimes. Sometimes we're so focused on waiting for him to do such a big thing that when he does what we've been asking him to do, we totally miss it. Sometimes God is not, not all of us will be, you know, struck on our way to Damascus blind for I don't know how many days. Sometimes God is just calling you off a boat, come and follow me. And it's the same effect, you know. But sometimes we pray and we ask God for a sign and wait for this big sign and wait for this big thing. And God speaks to us through the smallest things, through our kids, through nature, through, I don't know. But it's something small. And the point is not that he speaks in small voices or in big voices. But the point is, we cannot box God and we need to have our spiritual ears and eyes open because sometimes he can speak through a small voice. He did it when he sent his son to save the world. He did come to save the world as, 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 as Isaiah had prophesied. But he came through a very insignificant manner. And they missed it. I hope and I pray that we shall continuously ask God to help us, enable us, keep our eyes and ears open, so that when he speaks to us, we will not miss it. Amen. And um, I was supposed to read for you the way that uh, Christ comes in in chapter 2, verse 7 of Luke, but I think, you know, you already know it. So, how many times I wrote something that, I'll just say to you, and I think I had said it already. How many times have we missed what God is saying because we are waiting for an earthquake and a fire for a James Bond or a Terminator? And yet God is speaking in a gentle whisper and sending a cute little baby boy to save us. May we not miss it when he does. Amen. Secondly, the table, as, as we saw in the video, it was not a very pleasurable place. It's a dirty place. It's a smelly place. It's a dark place. Obviously, it's a cold place. I don't think the stable had heaters. I don't think, hey guys, come to think of it, I used to think I know what cold is until I reached London. <laughs> 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 now now, now I, can actually, I can actually preach this message with, with, with like, to guys who understand what it means to be cold. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was like, a friend of mine who was saying, now I know why these guys, like, I know why Europe is, 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 like, rich and Africa is poor. It's like, for us, life is good. <laughs> like, you just throw, you just, you know, you don't need clothes. You just put on something little and you're good. These guys have to work to keep alive. This is the point again. Um, it was dark, it was cold, it was smelly. I mean, it's a place where animals live, Um. And this is where Christ is born. And Philippians 2... I want us just to read Philippians. 2-7. It says, But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You know, when we we read this verse uh, about God, about Christ laying down his his, uh, majesty just to come down for us, laying down his equality with God, laying down his riches and everything, his comfort in heaven and everything just to come down for us, sometimes we have to think about it through the manger he actually came to the bottom like he came to the worst place on earth just for you and me and i I like the song that we're singing that was a bit reckless yeah that is like reckless love like how do you leave all this just to come just for you and me and what that the manger is speaking to to us then i felt like god was telling me that sometimes we've done stuff and we feel like we are too far from God, we feel like we are too dirty, we feel like we are too ugly, we feel like God cannot accept us, we feel like there is, not, there is no way for us. But God laid, the, laid aside his majesty and came into such a dirty, dark, smelly place just so you can know there is nothing too dark, too smelly and too bad for him that he cannot save you. He was born in a place that is dark and smelly, and he was born there just for you and me. And there is nothing that you cannot do that that is too gross for him. Amen. There is nothing that is too, there is nothing, there is no place he cannot go. From his birth to his death, it was like a series of just, the way he died was gross, the way he was born was gross. His grace is deeper than any gross and dirty and dark place that you may be in right now. Or oh, that you may find yourself in, Christ is trying to tell you, he can be there for you. He was there for you. He came like this just for you. And sometimes we feel, God, you know how you get to a place and you're like, you know what? I've, I've, I've been here before, I've prayed, and I'm here again. Um, God wants us to come as we are, where we are right now. God does not, I feel like God does not give third, fourth, fifth chances because it's always a second chance. Amen. Where, where you are right now, forget about where you've been before. If, if, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you came to him and you asked for forgiveness, he forgave you then. We are back to, are back to zero. And he's telling you, there's, there's, there's nothing. I'm a lawyer, and we have this thing where when you go to court, um, If you've you've had a a record, uh, it it means that your your, your sentence is worse. And sometimes we think God is that. That, That's not God. When he forgave you the first time, your record was wiped clean. And he's here telling you today there's nothing too gross for him that he will not clean it up for you. That is his grace. the, The manger tells me that no matter how dark, dirty, and smelly my heart and my past are, God is ready to come even there for me. It teaches me that he's not here for the saint, but he came to seek and save the lost, the lowly like me. It teaches me that there is no heart too dirty, he cannot redeem it. It teaches me that he will find me where I am, in the lost, dark, and dirty place. You see, when you feel like you have done so much and God cannot be bothered to, 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 to save you, when you feel there is no hope for you, when you feel like you've gone way beyond saving, remember that he humbled himself, as, a, as this Bible verse told us, even to death. He gave up his glory just for you, so no matter what pitch you're in, his grace is deeper, no matter what darkness you're in, his light can shine through. no matter where you find yourself, he'll find you there. His reckless love, amen, his reckless love will find you. This manger teaches me his love is reckless. This manger teaches me his 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 love will give up every tear down every wall, tear down every lie. I loved that song, his love. That is his love, amen. And every time we think about this manger as we go into Christmas, may it remind you of that. And the third thing that this manger teaches me, and which is a happy thing, is about the redemption of Christ's birth. The redemption that Christ brings into our lives when he's born. You see, this manger was a little place in a little town of Bethlehem where cows and sheep used to live. Probably no one cared about it Everyone just used to walk past it It's probably somewhere far away from the inn Because there's a smell And something gross But Christ is born here And in a few minutes, in a few hours, this is a place where there are kings that are coming and there are shepherds that are coming and there are angels that are coming. And it becomes a place with a lasting, we are talking about it today many thousands of years later. It becomes a very significant place for everyone that calls himself a Christian. This little insignificant manger becomes a place significance for our stories of everyone in this room. And that tells me when Christ comes into your life he changes what you feel is insignificance and he makes it significant. Amen. When the Bible says that he, he sits us with kings and he dines us with kings, this is exactly what it means that God raises you out of the dust. He, ra- he raises you out of being a nobody and makes you someone. To know that you're a child of God, that salvation changes you. And I want to give you a, a, a real story from uh, my grandmother's days my grandmother got saved uh, I'm a third generation uh, Christian my grandmother got saved in the 40s and um, this was during the time I don't know if any of you have heard of a revival that took place in East Africa and um, some, uh, quite a number of people got saved uh, there and what happened is that these were people who were still living in um, how can I put it the stereotypical Africa, yeah, <laughs> the Africa that, 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 that uh, most people think is Africa, but you guys should go to Africa, it's not what is put out there. But they were still living in this early, they used to just look after cattle, no one used to go to school, they were probably just putting on a few bucks and skins, and when, when the missionaries brought Christ, the first people who accepted Christ, their lives were changed. Yeah, And not only spiritually, but even physically. These were the first people who started who, who started being clean. These were the first people who started sending their kids to school. These were the first people who started uh, looking after their health. You know, they gave up taking local brews and smoking local cigarettes. And this was because they knew who Christ is to them and what Christ can do to them. And that their body is a temple of God and that they have to, you know... Train up their kids. Uh, you know, if you look even today, many of the people that are in government and successful businessmen, these are all children of people who gave their lives to Christ. Because when Christ comes into your life, he does not leave you the same. Both spiritually, but even physically, Christ brings a change in your life. Christ redeems you and, and makes you a place where communities come. Uh, I, I, my, 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 my dad always uh, tells us about his family was like the first in his little village where all of them like went to school. And it was because their grand, his parents had received Christ and their mindset started to change. Yeah? They started, and it's a long story, but they started even getting their relatives, at least one kid from all their brothers and sisters and putting them through school. And it was all because of Christ. Because when, you, when Christ comes into your life, you should not be the same he redeems you he lifts you up when you're in a dark place christ comes into that dark place and walks and walks with you and i don't want to make it sound like today you're in a dark place tomorrow you're good no that 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 it could happen but that may not be what would happen but christ is there to change your situation amen and this and this manger becoming a place where social socials you know classes just were out of the window with kings there, and shepherds there, and angels there, and heaven and earth colliding there, just teaches me that God, he gave up his glory in heaven for our stories, he gave up his majesty, he gave up his glory for our ruins, so that our ruins may become, so that he may take our ruins on him and give us his glory, amen, and whenever you look at this manger as we go through Christmas, may you remember that Christ has Beautiful exchange. He takes away ashes and gives you beauty. He takes away ruins and gives you glory. Amen. And I'm going to conclude, like really conclude, um, by saying some, some of these things, um, they don't make sense if Christ doesn't make sense to you. And all this stuff starts with your relationship with Christ and our relationship with Christ and my relationship with Christ. And um, Europe, UK, London has thrown Christmas on me. I was like, oh, it's November, Christmas lights. Oh, this guy guys just like, you know. Christmas should be about Christ. I hope it's about Christ for you this, this, this Christmas. Um, not just about decorating and shining. And as you ponder, there will be Christmas services and there'll be people talking about Christmas but as you go through this season this year I pray that there will be Christ that you're celebrating within, in your life. Back home um, these Rastafarians every year they come together to celebrate the life of Bob Marley and they you know, sing his songs and they have a blast and it really is a blast, it's, it's, it's fun but there's one problem, Bob Marley is not there and no matter how much fun they have, at the end of the day I don't even know who cuts the cake but is not there. I hope that will not be Christmas for you and me. I hope each of us will take stock of our lives and see is Christ really there. Sometimes, at least for me, I've gotten lost in coming to church every Sunday, serving in, in church every Sunday. It becomes routine so much you've been there so much, but you realize somehow you lost the, you lost the point on the way. I hope each of us this Christmas will take stock of our lives, remembering the manger remembering what it can teach us, and remembering Christ. Amen.